Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. This meeting is being recorded. That's creepy. Did you hear that? <laughs> What is that? <laughs> that, that, that? That's a relatively new bit on Zoom. Because before you could just hit record and it just started recording on the old sly. And I guess they realised there might be some issue with that. So now this big booming voice oh, of the gods tells you the meeting's being recorded. <laughs> oh no, now people will have to hear all over again about my wrestling cats. Excellent. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Hey everybody, Madri Brett here with the big 10-year of daily upload anniversary vlog. 10 years feels like a good cap. That's a good feather in my hat. No one can take that from me, you know? That I, I'm the guy who had the work ethic to do it. I'm the guy who didn't get burnt out. I'm the guy who didn't lose his passion on this. I'm the guy <laughs> who was dirt poor. <laughs> dirt poor, lost his house. And I was almost homeless and I worked through all of it. I worked through all of it and I'm here. I actually made it. I actually made it. A dry bread. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, and I think you're doing great too. Doing great because this definitely isn't the second time we've done the <laughs> intro. Because uh, dickhead here, Tom Campbell, hello, uh, forgot to press record just as we were talking. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, ask you the same question again, and we're going to pretend that we've never talked about it before. I can't wait. <laughs> hey! Sabu and Rocky, your cats, are they uh, wrestling references? One of them is. Oh, if Rocky, only I'd known that beforehand. If only. Uh, so Rocky was uh, a cat, like a forest cat that we took in. His name just happened to be Rocky from the people who like gave him to us. Like they, He was coming to like their shack in the woods and there was coyotes and stuff. So they decided, you know what? He needs a real home. And so Aww. they gave it to the crazy cat person, which is me. Um, <laughs> and Sabu, Sabu, we got as a kitten, and that he, that's very much a wrestling reference. Sabu's relatively new to your life, isn't he? Eight months ago, I think I got him. He was a kitten. He was like two months old, three months old or something when we got him. And I've had him for, he's like 11 months old right now. So yeah, I've had him for about 
eight-ish months or so. Have you always been a cat person? I've absolutely always been a cat person. I grew up in the crazy cat house with a billion cats. Uh, you know, it's just... When you get the reputation as the crazy cat family, then whenever someone's moving and they can't take their cat, they give the cat to you. So I just, we had like a billion cats growing up and I love I was going to ask you how many, if you could do a, a head count of, oh, of, of catos in the crazy cat house. If we're just counting the ones that literally lived with us, like yeah. slept in the house at night. Not the um, ones that just turned up and went, oh, there's food over here. Yeah, there were, were ones that like turned up and we'd help take care of for like the winter or whatever and then let them do their their thing. Um, the ones we kept, like, I'm going to say like 25. Jeez. Something like that. Yeah. I've always been a cat person. I don't know. What it, I love dogs, too. They're wonderful. I just I grew up with cats, so. I'm a late bloomer to becoming a cat person because I think if you and I had had this conversation probably two years ago, I'd have probably mm -hmm. gone, yeah, I'm a dog person. I'm not, I don't get the whole cat thing. But then uh, Pablo was uh, w turned up uh, turned up at uh, a friend of ours' workplace and just kept mm -hmm. turning up. And they went, this cat needs a home. I can't, I've got too many cats. I can't keep him. And uh, she put a picture of him on Facebook. Uh, a few people have heard this story before, but sod it, I like the story. Uh, but um, <laughs> they put a picture on Facebook of this cat and my, my good lady saw this cat and neither of us been cat people but she said i don't know what it is but we need this cat we need Aww. this cat and long story short like he's now part of our lives and two years ago i'd have gone oh, i don't think i'm really a cat person not bothered about them ask me that today i will take a bullet for pablo oh, i yeah. oh my i jump in front of a moving train <laughs> to save that that little dickhead like <laughs> i could he's just he's the, I, I don't know how it happened but the but the that that love of cats just crept into yeah. my soul through Pablo. No matter how much they knock off the counter and how many times they wake you up and stuff, it's it's all forgiven, forgiven as soon as you get that affectionate nose boop in the morning or when oh. you come out of the shower or something and they haven't seen you in a little while and it's like, hey, where have you been? <laughs> is, that how, is that how you get greeted on a morning? Is it nose oh, boobs? And... Sabu is the most affectionate little guy. He's a troublemaker, but like, if he hasn't seen you in a little bit, then he's rubbing up against your legs. He needs his pickup. He needs to nose boop and ram his nose into your eye a bunch. And he's jump jump through a burning so table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Complain yeah, about we... a payoff at an ECW show. Yeah. Uh, it was great too. And we named him Sabu and everything. We already knew we wanted to name him Sabu like from the beginning because. Me and my wife are, are wrestling fans and everything. I got her into wrestling forever ago because I've always been really big into wrestling. And like we watch everything together, every pay-per-view, every everything. Either in the SmackDown or Raw because I'm the crazy person who still watches those. I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the side while I'm working. Uh, SmackDown's been great. Raw. It's moments. Yeah. I'm the only one who likes Matt Riddle, so all right. I'm, oh. I'm the only one who finds it funny, I guess. No, no, I get it. It's funny because he's stoned. I get it. <laughs> it's funny because he's stoned. Look, that's, I know there's not the more to it than that, but I don't know. The, co the comedic, it's the thing between him and Randy and seeing him wheel up to people and ramble to them. I'm like, but yeah, that's basically me. And I like it. <laughs> That's amazing. Just roll up to someone. Hey, let's have a long, protracted conversation about nothing in general of what's on my mind. Well, how about you and I have a protracted conversation about something in general and see whether it goes anywhere. So we're going to send you on to a desert island. Oh, I'm pumped. 
Yeah, I think after the last 12 months, the one thing we would need is more isolation from everybody. Yes. Oh, I'm a hermit. I love it. I so left you... the block like twice during COVID so far. <laughs> have, you, like... have, you, have, you been, have you been one of those then that has just embraced lockdown life? Yes. So I've always been a hermit. Uh, growing up, I was forced to go out a lot and stuff just, you know, for stuff, family gatherings. Always hated it. So, so uh, you know, as soon as I stopped having to do any of that and I was 18... I just sat in my room and I worked and I worked until I'm 28, which is now and it paid off. But it also meant that during uh, the whole lockdowns and everything here in Ontario, Canada, uh, we've been in lockdown for like 15 months or something. They just change the rules every month, but it's a different flavor of very strict lockdown. Um, so I just didn't leave the block and I haven't left the block more than I, I think it's been like three or four times now during COVID. So what current um, flavor are Ontario on in terms of I, lockdown? I think as of last month, you're allowed to get a haircut now. Um, <laughs> the, now, the rules in Ontario are amazing. Now, it's, <laughs> it's very similar to over here. But you know what? I just find it. I find it amazing that we live in this time. We have lived through this time where you're getting government mandates saying, saying from Tuesday, you can get a haircut. Like, no. So what? like, okay, so the rules in Ontario are beautifully arbitrary to the point that there's just protests nonstop about it because everyone's fed up with it at this point. Mm. But in Ontario, <laughs> up until the protests last month, uh, you could not dine in at a restaurant, but you can dine in at a strip club. <laughs> I don't know why that's less dangerous. <laughs> um, but you, but those are the rules because at a strip club they serve alcohol and in Ontario if you serve alcohol legally you have to also serve food with it so legally you couldn't make them not serve food and so you can have indoor dining at the strip club I love but... the idea of going of taking like Auntie Belinda to Sexy Stacy's for her 50th yeah. birthday oh my god Belinda's <laughs> your go to old woman name too yeah oh that's beautiful is it Belinda's yours oh. yes. maybe may, may <laughs> Maybe it's the same Belinda. Did she ever travel to Worcester? <laughs> I'll have to ask. It was the, the anti-Belinda thing. Well, we'll start the interview proper in a minute, I promise. Uh, the anti, the, I, I know. <laughs> I'll press record this time. Um, the um, the anti-Belinda thing, uh, it's... My nan had a friend called Belinda who was a little, who was just that, that sort of, just, just a bit uh, eccentric and a bit mm -hmm. adorable. But she always introduced her to us when we were younger as Auntie Belinda. So okay. like it kind of became a little bit of a, a, a running joke, a bit of a meme with my brothers to always say, hey, when are we, lads, when are we getting together to go see Auntie Belinda again? And so now whenever I, my, whenever my brothers watch the videos and I and I name drop an Auntie Belinda, it gets a, it gets a cheap pop in the family WhatsApp chat that Auntie Belinda's, okay. get, Auntie Belinda's <laughs> getting a run out. Did you, where did your, where did your Belinda come from? <laughs> I just thought it sounded like a funny fake name, but Good it's name, real. Good name, it? <laughs> <laughs> like it just sounds fake to me and it's really funny it's a strong it's a strong fake name is belinda so bless oh, that's great if you're listening and your name is belinda please reach out it would be sorry, an honor and belinda. a privilege no <laughs> we're sorry but also we're not <laughs> um we're going to send you on through desert island with three wrestling matches of your choice matches that mean something a little bit special to you what would you like your first wrestling match to be my dry bread okay this was really hard uh because i watched forever and i love wrestling so i i spent a lot of time trying to think of it, if i was stuck what are the three flavors of wrestling that i i need you know what what i would go back and watch the most 
for instance. What what could I not live without? My first one just has to be my favorite match. I feel like that's a fair first pick, which is uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10 opener. I feel like you don't need some random YouTuber you haven't heard of to explain to you what's so special about that match, because I'm sure everyone has. I'm sure. I'm but sure why is Cole it special? Has explained a hundred times. So. But why? But why is it special to you personally? Um, I'm sure part of it is growing up in Canada and Bret Hart. Even if you don't watch wrestling, you've probably at least known the name. For instance, like Bret Hart wrestling with shadows, the documentary was published uh, or at least has been republished by the Canadian, like a Canadian government media wing as like a historical thing because wow. it's a public figure. Uh, so there was actually a long time where you could legally for free watch that documentary on like a Canadian government site. Although I'm pretty sure it was quite buried and probably not up anymore because there's a lot of Canadian government programs like that that don't work out. But Everyone knows Bret Hart. Everyone's heard of Bret Hart. When I got into wrestling, obviously, like, I was, like, 10 or 11. And so, like, when my dad would walk in the room, see me playing games, like, oh, is that Bret Hart? So, you know the name Bret Hart. And so I'd start, like, okay, I'm going to watch old stuff. Who's Bret Hart? And I very quickly realized there's something about the way Bret Hart moves in the ring that is, like, okay, this is endlessly fascinating to me so i have something called aphantasia i can't picture things in my head uh, my mind's eye is mostly blind um you know like when you look at a light bulb and you look away and there's like that after image in your vision right yeah that's mostly all i see in my head i didn't know you're supposed to see it uh, like other ways until i was like 21 um but what I can see in my head usually is motion, not attached to anything specific, but motions that repeat. And sometimes I can figure out what they are and sometimes I can't. It's just how my head works. When that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> when, did you, when did you discover that you had Avantasia? So this is something that people usually don't figure out that they have or they figure out in like a really yeah. weird way. Because that's the thing is if you don't have a sense, it's... You know, it in your mind's eye, you don't know, you don't really think of that as like a typical sense, and it's not like talked about when you're growing up and stuff. So like, you don't know what you haven't got. Yeah, so it, it's like being blind, but people can't tell you're blind. Mm. Um, so I, I think I was just like joking around with my friend Brandon, um, and when I was like 21, we we're just joking around in a call or something, and I was joking about how like the term uh, "picture this" and how dumb it is, and he was like, "Yeah, but like you just picture it," and I'm like. At a certain point, the conversation got to the point of, hold on, there's something I fundamentally don't understand. And I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, you can actually see things in your head, like, literally, literally? And that's when I realized, like, oh. And I researched it, and it turns out there's a spectrum of visual clarity in your mind and what you can and can't see. And this is something you develop as a child, mostly. And when I, as I say this, you're going to get people commenting on this podcast who didn't know they have aphantasia. I know this because it's about 2% of people who have it. And every time I've ever done a Twitch stream in my life where I bring up my aphantasia, someone in the chat has realized they have aphantasia. <laughs> anyway, roundabout. Sorry to everyone who just had their mind blown. No, no, no. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I mean, like, is with, with, with that, when you found out, like, mm -hmm. what was... What was your reaction? Were you were you upset? Were you concerned? Was it no 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 nothing? Um, so was it... I'm I'm disabled like from birth. I have cerebral palsy and Ehlers Danlos syndrome. Mm. Um, so when I was growing up, 
I would always be in and out of hospitals and clinics. They were trying to figure out what's wrong with me, you know? Like, I, I didn't talk for, like, my first two years. Uh, now I can't shut up. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't shut up ever since I learned how to talk. But Making it, up for lost time. Yeah, I, I didn't talk for, like, two years or something. I've always had weird times socializing with people and stuff, although I guess I'm better at that now. Um there's yeah it's just weird stuff with me so they were always trying to figure out what was up so i always felt different and weird in the first place so when i learned that i have aphantasia it's like oh that's just another list of the things on the pile and like i don't really i, I didn't care at the time now i find it fascinating because mm. i've i'm very interested in how other people think and other people's perspectives and like just i want to know what makes somebody else tick because I feel like whenever I understand more about someone else, I understand more about myself as well. Uh, so I find the, th the fact that I have aphantasia really cool because it means I've got a unique experience that not so many people have. Um, but because I see looping motions in my head a lot, I can often attribute that to like wrestling moves or wrestling sequences or stuff like that because I... Like, literally, I don't think I've gone a day without watching a match in, like, a decade or something. I love professional wrestling. It's my favorite art above even video games. So um, I have these going through my head a lot, and I realized I was getting a lot, a lot of Bret Hart. There's certain people how, who, how they move just kind of sticks with me. And there's so many sequences from that match that I can just see motion in my head. And I know that's Bret Noen. That's, that's good shit. <laughs> When what when when you are recalling this match, then what mm -hmm. motions are you are you imagining? Um, uh, are you able to? Is, okay, so a lot of it is, I can tell you now because I've thought about it so much. But it's the Skycam footage. You can probably guess this. It's the Skycam footage of Brett and Owen doing those beautiful chain wrestling sequences with like. <sighs> You know, the arm ringer, the kip up, flip through, pull down the hair to the mat, rakes the boot across the face. And there's that moment where Brett looks away and then looks up and like, you, you know, like that stuff. Like, I can't see it, but I can see it. And it's hard to describe because like that is not a lot burns in there, but that is burned in there. Weirdly enough, the other thing that's burned in there that I get almost every day is the primetime players hitting the the gourd buster thing onto their Ooh. opponent. I don't know why that, dude. I got no idea. It's just there. Sometimes it gets stuck there. Just... I, I guess it's like how, um, how like you remember motions the way that a lot of people have songs. Like mm -hmm. I'll have a song on a morning. I'll have a song oh, that's just in my head. Not, and I stop. Yeah, yeah, and I, you won't know like where did that come from? Which which file which file in the in the archive of my brain <laughs> did that come from? I haven't thought about Elton John's album The Big Picture in about two years. But here yeah, I am yeah. singing Recover Your Soul. Like I was the how's that happened? Yeah. We've see we've both got that one too. So. I guess I've never explained literally anything of that I do. It doesn't matter. But a real quick aside is that I've done, I did like a video a day minimum for 10 years. And most of that is like Let's Play stuff, which is, I consider myself primarily a Let's Player, even if it's not really what I'm known for. Um, I, I've always found it really fun and easy to do uh, because in my head, I have just like nonstop audio of like songs and, and stuff. I can recreate songs. I can change the lyrics of it in my head. I, it's very malleable audio. Uh, apparently I got that from my dad. He was like leader of a punk rock band when I was growing up. Uh, but uh, I also get wrestling themes in my head constantly and monologue. So because I can't picture things in my head when I'm trying to read 
uh, off to people. What I, I I stumble over my words a lot because I have I have three audio tracks in my head, uh, or two for reading actually. One is reading ahead, and then one is reading what I'm supposed to be saying right now. And so I vocalize the one that I'm supposed to be saying right now. But sometimes the thing that's like four or five words ahead collides, and I mix a word. <laughs> uh, so that's a problem in its own. But the nonstop monologue means that if I'm not reading a script and I'm doing a let's play, I can just say what's going on in my head nonstop and just turn off. And it's wonderful. I'm wow. trying to remember why I first brought that up now. There was a, it's, there was it's, a reason it's, at the start. Was it, you said because you talked about wrestling, because we said about how, um, I think I said that you remember motions the same way people can just suddenly conjure up a song in their yes. head. And, and you said that wrestling theme music resonates with you. But to mention yes. that thing about the sky cam, the sh I know mm. exactly the shot you mean. You described mm. it beautifully. Thank and you. what I love is, is that, and I think they might mention it on commentary, but if they don't, I kind of connected the dots mm -hmm. with it. The whole thing was sort of to emulate like Brett and Owen playing as kids. Yes, yes. The little rake across the head and the pulling of the hair. Yeah. like, hey... But almost That's like a shot from cool. that high up almost makes the ring look mm -hmm. like a crib. Like, it, it, I don't know whether I'm giving Kevin Dunn too much credit, but... <laughs> That's kind of the vibe. Like it was like they were playing in. And, and what's lovely is that we've talked about this match probably about five times on Desert Island Grabs, but we've never mm -hmm. talked about it like this. And that's yes. why I love when these key matches come up and why everyone's, why I always ask everybody, because oh, I know some people go, why do you always ask that? Because we get, I always mm -hmm. ask like what they were doing, how they remember it, because you get a different answer every time. Yes. Yes. And, and you've remembered so it in a, such a different way to the way anybody else has remembered it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, why it's that's, amazing. That's something I took into account on my second pick when we get to that, actually. Ooh, okay. Yes. Well, well, I, wanted, get... I wanted more personal to me, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, park it, because I want to dig yes. more into you as a wrestling fan. So was it your dad then that got you into wrestling? No, I don't think he followed wrestling at all, either than knowing the names Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan. Right. We, we watched, like, the tiniest tiny bit when I was in high school and already a wrestling fan. I think, like... There was some TV show that was rebroadcasting old 70s wrestling, and we sat down and watched a tiny bit of it, mostly so that he could laugh at Dick the Bruiser, um, because the name made him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, you know so what? I, I've never laughed at Dick the Bruiser before, but yeah, now, now I will. Now I yeah, will. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I actually got into wrestling because I, when I was like 10, I went over to a friend's house, and he had another friend over, and he had brought his PlayStation 2 game SmackDown vs. Raw, the first one. And uh, we just got mad into it. And after, like, we really liked SmackDown vs. Raw. SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 just came out, like, a couple months after, and we got that. Um, he got that. I played at his house all the time. And it's around then that I started being like, okay, maybe I should watch this SmackDown thing and just instantly in love with it for life. Who was the first wrestler that you saw that resonated with you? <laughs> I think it was Eugene, uh, which I, I, I am in an ilk of a few people who came into it through Eugene and loved Eugene. Um, I, I think it's because this is going to sound really mean and dark uh, towards me. But growing up, I got called retarded a lot. Uh, okay. And that hurt me because, like, I always felt different. I knew I was different. I knew it wasn't normal to be falling down the stairs till I was, like, eight and nine and stuff because I was so uncoordinated. Like, cerebral palsy, it's... I can move pretty normal now, but, like... You know, when when you see somebody who's 
on that spectrum of cerebral palsy and stuff and you see them like flicking their hands and moving their legs weird and walking upstairs like uh pressed onto the fronts of their feet like their heels are off the ground like i i do that stuff too i had to try and work that stuff out of my system uh the, the stairs thing i still can't walk normally upstairs whatever i don't care anymore i don't care if people think i'm weird um when you say you can't like, walk upstairs though like is it is it just oh, like a no. Like I, I um, stand on the front ends of my feet when I'm walking upstairs. I, right. I used to walk like that just in general. I got real strong calf muscles. Wow, uh, I was gonna say but, you must, you yeah, must yeah. be henched down there. Thank you. I am. <laughs> I've been working out a lot. Uh, so uh, I, I got my calf muscles have always been like the size of my thighs because of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I always got called, like, retarded and stuff a lot growing up, and that hurt. Because, like, I could communicate all right. I just looked a little weird. Um, and word choice is weird and whatever. Uh, I don't care about feeling weird and different now, uh, because I, I think the differences are what make people way more interesting. So I honestly don't even care anymore if somebody calls me that. Uh, because it's just like, okay, I'm just really different. That's fine. I don't really care. Whatever. Um, but growing up, like, that really hurt me. And so to see, you know, as a kid, you know that it's fake, but you also kind of want to believe that it's like, oh, but maybe he's not quite quite right, and this is really cool, because, like, oh, he's going out there, and he's still kicking ass and stuff, and he's way worse off than I am, too. And so that just kind of, it's a thing of, like, yeah, I'm going to cheer that guy. That guy's the man. He's going out there. He doesn't care. Did, I love that. Did, did anything... Uh, change in terms of your your uh, your appreciation for Eugene when it kind of you discovered more about it and realized that it's it's Nick Dinsmore. It's, it's a work, yeah. But it's I a liked work. him more. You liked I liked him more. more. I liked him more for it after that because it's like, wow, you're not doing this because you have to. You're doing this because, like, okay, you were given this opportunity to play this character, I think, uh, <laughs> and uh, and you know what you ran with it and you did something that at least i personally found kind of empowering and i really appreciate it i understand why some people would be upset about it and everything and i i respect that as well but to me eugene was nothing but a badass from day one so i don't see it as anything negative uh did you once you discovered wrestling and once you were getting into it all was um did you have like a, a strong base of people around you who are also wrestling fans did you have a lot of wrestling friends that would a few yeah, so now um, you had your mate. You played. You played SmackDown versus. Raw yeah, with. yeah. My my friend Justin. He always watched wrestling, so we were always into that. I had a few friends at school who uh, kind of passively followed wrestling or watched SmackDown or Raw weekly. So I had people like on the bus to talk to about it, which thank God, because <laughs> my bus ride in high school was like, I got up at five in the morning. I'd leave for school at like 6.30. I would get driven to the next city over to then be the first pickup for the school bus, first pickup, last drop-off. So the bus ride was abominable every single day. So I'm really happy that I uh, had people to talk wrestling with or I would Why was that the case, that there was there was so much distance between you and you and the school? Was that just well, bad? Was that, I mean, was that just falling out of the, the zip code area or...? Okay, so this is something, I, the school system growing up for me was awful uh, mm. because continually, every time I had to go to a new school because, like, we moved or, you know, I was bumping up grades or something, like, you know, going, going to high school or something, anytime my mom would have to go to war with the school board that she used to even work for uh, because they would, they would ignore all the marks 
of like the A's and stuff that I was doing because I was a bright kid. Um, and they would just read that, oh, he's got like cerebral palsy and like, you know, there's like un there's stuff that they're not sure what it is. Like it could be a form of autism. It could be a form of a few different things. Uh, he's socially maladjusted or whatever. Like he can't, when you see my signature, for instance, to this day, I can't write on paper. It's like not legibly. Um, I just type everything I learned to since like grade one, because you can't read anything I write. I can't read anything I write. It's just never progressed. Um, but they take that to just think like, oh, okay, we need to put him in like constant supervision, like totally mentally disabled. So I was put in the school with a place called the center, which is for pe other people with cerebral palsy who like need constant supervision, often can't, can't really speak a language, stuff like that. So like my mom would always have to bring me in with an interview with the principal where she was like, look, just talk to Madrat. He's fine. And like I talked to them and they would still put me down and like they're like, OK, we're not going to put him in the special needs class, but we're going to put him like the delinquent needs constant attention class. So I was constantly lumped in with the people who just didn't care. Um, and so it, School burned me out <laughs> really hard and really sucked. And so I was always stuck in, in those schools. And like, so when I moved to Hamilton, which is like the next city over from Burlington where my school was, I live in the greater Toronto area in Southern Ontario, Canada, all public information. Um, it's where most Canadians live, is greater Toronto area. Uh, when I moved to Hamilton, it's even farther away, but I just kept going to the same school because like, God, they didn't want to show me in a no, new school. I already have like a bunch of friends there. I already at least know people. Like, there, everyone at least everyone didn't think I was a total weirdo. Like at at elementary schools and stuff. Like I had a core group of friends who got to know me well enough that it's like, okay, he's not that bad. They didn't so. want to put you through that whole thing of starting a whole new school again. Especially now you'd finally got some roots. Yeah, there. yeah. That must have, that must have been. I, it must have been incredibly difficult. I mean, I don't know how how aware were you that all of this was going on whilst you were going to school, that your mom was oh, dude, fighting was, the school boards and stuff? Oh, it was hard because, like, I was going to a decent... I was So the school I was going to is was on the border of uh, Burlington and Oakville. Now, Oakville's where I live now, and it's a, it's a pretty affluent place. I'm very lucky that I was able to find a place here now as an adult. But as a kid, I could never dream of living in, in Oakville. Um, the only reason we even lived in Burlington is because my dad worked a construction job at the time there and was able to build the house. So we got a discount uh, purchasing it early and he was getting more money. But like, I, I came from a really turbulent family life. Uh, my dad is bipolar one, uh, manic depressive. He's not in my life anymore at all by my choice. Uh, after he walked out when I was like 20, I wanted nothing to do with him anymore. Um, but like home life was turbulent. I never knew if he was in a mental hospital or if there was a fit at home or, or what was going on. Mom was trying to hold down everything on her own while going through her own health issues and everything. Um, we would go between having like a year where we make solid money for like a Canadian home here. Um, and then like abject poverty, massive debt, like like bad stuff <laughs> like there were some i was going through some real dark times but i was going to school in uh, at a public school at a place where 
a lot of the students there had been at a private school or were going to a, a private school next year and were wealthier people or kids of wealthier people, I guess. And so kind of like everyone around me was doing pretty well. And I, I don't think any of them really realized that I wasn't. Everyone just, you know, they're they're in their own, own little bubbles. Everybody has their own life and everything. And I, I don't think anyone gave me the courtesy of like, maybe maybe Madrat's got a hard time with this stuff because stuff's rough at home, you know? Um, Do you kind of wish they had awful. reached out? I, I mean, I don't know what could have been done, honestly, because mm. like, look, you can't get rid of manic depression. If a guy doesn't want to take his pills, the guy's not going to take his pills. And if he's not taking his pills, problems aren't going to get solved. Um, I, they, they couldn't have taken me out of the situation, really, because there's nowhere else to go. And like, you know, once I was 20 and my dad ended up walking out and everything and it was me and mom, uh, like it was just us living in this old decrepit Victorian house, uh, shooing bats out of the house every day at two in the morning, <laughs> living in the haunted house with bats. Wow. I love bats. I didn't mind. But, <laughs> you know, waking up at three in the morning because the cats are running around and you hear a screeching and you're like, oh, it's bats. <laughs> You got to go, go to put on the gardening gloves. I got to go catch the bat and put them outside. And honestly, I, I'm not even it, it. It's not that bad looking back on it now, though, because like it feels so distant. Did your dad ever try and reach back out again? Uh, yeah, yeah. He has tried to get back in contact a few times, but I ended up breaking up contact with that whole side of the family because they just kind of that side of the family ignores that there's mental health problems on it. Um, they don't, they like to pretend that he is cured and that he got better because he's been to a mental hospital before, regardless of how he doesn't take his pills. They, they're quite old. They don't seem to understand that you can't get rid of bipolar just by going to a hospital for a little while. Um, and they all just kind of ignore it because there's been a lot of mental health issues in that family and they are very upset about bringing it up. Uh, so they never really took care of it. They gave him excuses. They let him keep drinking when he has an alcoholism problem and they'd like let him go to their bar they own and stuff. And eventually I just decided, you know what? You guys aren't, you, you just pay me lip service. You tell me that you're going to help me fix these things. You don't care about me. Like I, nobody cares about me as much as, as I do. I can take care of myself and my family better than they ever could. And they stopped they stopped trying to take care of us. They stopped paying child support and everything. We lost our house. Me and mom lived in a one-room apartment in Toronto. Me and her, two cats. I was there for a year and a week. When I say one room in Toronto, I mean, um, I have a video up of it on my YouTube channel from years ago. It's one room. One whole wall is glass overlooking a highway with no curtains. There's nowhere to drill in curtains. And then there's, you know, kitchen is up against our beds. Um, and then there's like a shoe closet bathroom and that's where we live together. No arguments, no complaints, whole year and a half. She lived there for like five years, I think. Uh, I got out because my YouTube stuff picked up enough. I was just working nonstop on YouTube while I was in there. Mom was always been a supporter of my YouTube channel. She always believed in me. And so uh, a couple of years ago, when it finally took off and everything through the Pokemon challenges, uh, COVID happened. Housing prices skyrocketed here. They're already really bad here and we're kind of stuck here. Uh, but I was able to finally get mom a place and she moved out and got her new place uh, a couple months ago. And I just feel really good about that. That must just be amazing to have gone through that and then gone, hey, mom, have the keys to her house. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's okay. So something that came to mind when you first brought up, uh, when you were bringing up like how I got into wrestling, my first ever favorite wrestler, and he's still my favorite wrestler to this day, is Stevie Richards, because I, I noticed really early. So really early, like I, I, I didn't really have TV. Uh, I didn't have cable. I had like old CRTs laying around in the house, but I didn't have cable. So I'd watch a lot of it on like YouTube and stuff and like clips here and there get put up. So I saw a lot of SmackDown 2005. I saw a lot of like Velocity because that's just stuff that was on YouTube that WWE didn't take down for ages. So I saw a lot of Jimmy Wang Yang, Paul London. Your Paul London interview, by the way, was fascinating. Um, I... Uh, and Stevie Richards. I saw a lot of Stevie Richards. And God, they I, I don't think I saw him win a match for ages, but he was my absolute favorite. One was the I'll Show You, You'll See. I, I'm big into audio. and Underrated certain... music, that. Yes. Okay, Underrated. So the song itself is, is fine. It fit his entrance beautifully. But the song is fine, but I'll Show You, You'll See. Certain... I'm big into audio and certain words and phrases really resonate with me and stick with me. And I try and write them down and remember them because if it's meaningful to me, then it drives me. And I'll show you, you'll see. Despite being very like driven from a negative place in a weird way, I, I realize like, that's kind of how I've always felt. So many of things that I've done in life on YouTube in whatever is like, nobody believes in me, but I believe in myself. So I'm just going to do it. And you'll believe me when I do it. And then I do it. And I did it. And nobody stopped me from doing 6,000 videos over the course of 10 years. Nobody stopped me. My computers exploding didn't stop me. Losing my home didn't stop me. Losing my dad didn't stop me. All the deaths in the family, all the deaths in the cats, no matter what happened to me, nothing stopped me from hitting my goal because I wanted to. And that's just something I'm really, really proud of. And just thinking back to like, I'll show you, you'll see. It's like, they gave you nothing and you worked your ass off every night. I watched it. I watched the footage of all these matches where he tried so hard and he was so good at it. He's still so good at it. Stevie Richards is the man. And it's like, oh, that stuff like that really drives me. I just wanted to bring that up. You are genuinely the best person we've ever had on Desert Island Graps, and we are not even halfway through. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that means a lot to me. I wanted just to put that out there because I think your story is amazing. Thank your story you. is, and, and and this is a lot of your story I'm hearing for the first time, and uh, and I think <laughs> it's 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 a testament to to somebody that has, as you say, been given nothing and made a mission via Stevie Richards' theme music, underrated underrated to uh to push on and, and and make and make good and and for me for me it was and you know i'll i make i yes, make enough I, I make enough people cry on this show so i Please must tell admit me. i want to know more you telling me that you bought your mama house that made me well up a little bit there you know and i'm normally i normally actually i do get sad quite a bit but that was <laughs> that was amazing but that was amazing but um i'll to wind it back um you Go back to the beginning then, because obviously you, you started this journey. Now, the the whole idea of going into YouTube was uh, would have been nothing. Back 10 years ago, it was a very different beast as well. So oh, what, God, yeah. what inspired you to get into that whole this whole malarkey? Okay, so um, I, I'm going to say that the 
the main things that that contributed to me wanting to do YouTube would be one, I was really into Let's Play. I still am, but I have less time to watch nowadays. Uh, but for anyone who unacquainted, anyone who doesn't watch video game stuff a whole lot, Let's Play, at least back in the day, uh, generally means uh, commentating over a video game while you play it. Some people do a post-commentary, some people commentate live. Sometimes it's about comedy, sometimes it's about education, could be about a billion things. Uh, I was really into that because I was looking up the ending theme of Captain Planet once on YouTube, oh. and like, because that's what you do in like 2006, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the related video was of a guy called Helsing920. Rest in peace. He's dead now, unfortunately. But he was an OG YouTuber who did a review of an NES Captain Planet game that sucked. Now I'm sure if you go back and watch that review now, it's probably awful. Most of that stuff hasn't aged amazingly. But man, at the time, it was the coolest. I didn't know Let's Play was a thing. I got into let's play through those reviews got into like spoony one back when he did things um and loved all of that watched a lot of uh the website that guy with the glasses a lot of contributors on there back in the day when that was a thing <laughs> like a lot of eras of youtube i've been there for uh and so when i was in like late high school i had been I had a communications technology class, which is what old Canadians would call video editing course. Um, and in the video editing classes in high school, I was doing lots of like horror movies and stuff with my friends, you know, goofing around, having fun. Comtech classes where we hang out on our lunch breaks, all making movies and stuff. Teachers loved us. Uh, just, you know always you know getting passionate about something at least they were happy about i guess and that we would always be willing to help the teachers because we had like a new teacher come in who didn't know the software so we actually had to teach her the software <laughs> anyway we, i was already making videos so i just decided i'm just gonna start doing some video game stuff so when i was like 19 no when i was 17 i started doing a let's play of fallout one it's still on my channel. I don't delete old Let's Plays, but they're unlisted. You can go to my playlist section and watch them. I just don't want it to be someone's first impression of me. Uh, but you can go watch it, and it's terrible. But you can go watch a 17-year-old Madrat Stowe Let's Playing Fallout 1 with like a $10 microphone and a crappy laptop and probably the worst commentary you've ever heard in your life. And I did all the cardinal sins of all the first episodes are just gushing about the channels I watch and embarrassing them. <laughs> um that's kind of how I got into it, but I've tried so many things over the years, like Let's Play and and reviews and tips videos. I did creepypasta readings for like two years. I, it's, I've just done all kinds of side projects over the years because I just see something, I'm like, that looks fun to try. But I always just kind of keep doing Let's Play on the side because it's really fun too. That's how I started the Pokemon Challenge stuff. And oh my God, did that end up being a bit of a thing. That, that is what really took it to another level for you, isn't well, it? It is. I, I grinded for like eight years to get to 61,000 subscribers and I was still getting like 300 views on my daily videos, but I had a lot of old videos that had gotten in the search algorithm and were doing okay, you know? So my daily stuff doesn't do amazing, but I have some hardcore people who are still into me. And uh, there's old stuff that just gets big over the course of years. Um, and then, then I did my first three Pokemon challenges and all of a sudden one of them blew up really, really big. Here's a really quick recap of that, I guess, just from what it, my perspective from, I guess, the inside of what in the Pokemon scene was a bit of a movement. Um, 
there's a guy called Caspri. He makes wonderful videos. Everybody go look him up. He uh, had a series of videos where he would try to um, show an interesting soft lock you could do in a Pokemon game. So a way that you could play the game in an unintended way so that you ruin the save file for yourself, basically. You cannot progress and you didn't crash the game. You just put yourself in an unwinnable situation. I thought those were really creative and fun. He also did a couple of videos where he like beat a Pokemon game with only a ditto. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Shortly after, if I'm getting my timeline right, JRose11 made a similar kind of thing where he beat, um, he see, tried to see if you could beat Pokemon Red with only one Magikarp. And it was wonderful video. You can only get up to like Pokemon Tower uh, before it's unwinnable, but cool video. But I watched that and I was like, that's really awesome. But what would have happened if like you just took a Drowsy and you just beat the tower and you kept going? Like, what's the next stumbling block? I need to know. So I started messing around a little bit in the file. And I was like, why don't I just do a video on this? This is fun. Like he hasn't done one in like eight months or something. It doesn't seem like anybody else is doing this. I've learned now like a couple other people did one, but based on like the J Rose one, but it never really went anywhere. So I decided I'm just gonna do some for fun on the side. So I did a couple and then they blew up really big and it, <laughs> it blew up really, really big. So I was telling friends like, I think what will happen is in two months, my Magikarp video where I do it in Fire Red, where you can do like basically the whole game. Um, I think it'll get like a hundred thousand views about two or three months and then peak there and I'm happy with that because like I had seen that happen with old tips videos. I was like, oh, okay, this looks like it'll fill, follow basically the same way, but I'm just doing this for fun. So if it never succeeds, who cares? It ended up blowing up way, way bigger than that. I ended up, um, ended up blowing up like really, really, really big. Like to the point that my first paycheck after it blew up paid off my entire debt. Um, like I, I literally eight years into daily grinding, I just woke up one morning. So literally up until like a month into blowing up, I still had email alerts turned on for every comment and subscriber so that every time I get a subscription, if they have videos, I could check their channel and see if they do something cool. And I and every comment so I could like reply to stuff because I'm weird and neurotic like that. Um, so Same. When, <laughs> so when just one morning I woke up to 300 emails when I normally wake up to 20, like, and it just kept picking up and picking up to the point that I had to turn it off eventually um, over the course of like weeks. And now I, um, so I didn't create a genre. I want to point that out. I didn't create Pokemon challenges, even though some people say that I did. I didn't. Um, what happened was they, some people tried a few formats of them roughly, and then it kind of went dead for like seven or eight months. And then I tried it and a couple months later, mine blew up. And they blew up really, really big. The algorithm loved something about them. I guess it's because like, I wanted to see if I couldn't swear on them because I swear a lot. Just It's just how I talk. I don't have a filter. Um, but these were all like scripted. I was like, you know what? I don't have much practice with scripted stuff. I'm more of an improv guy. Can I still be funny without swearing? So I just tried and, and it turns out, I guess I can um, because they did really well. And uh, now I have, I have literally seen over 70 people now who have contacted me, said, I started doing Pokemon challenges because of you. And they shout me out in the beginning. It's like my format and stuff. And so I just, so what I did was I made a series where I was like, okay, this is how I do everything that I do with the Pokemon challenges. I'm going to show you literally my whole process so that you can do it yourself and you can make your own. And I, I always tell people like, if, if it looks like fun, 
do it. You're not ripping me off. You're not stepping on my toes. If anybody tells you that you're ripping me off, link the video or whatever, where I say you're not ripping me off. Like everybody hop aboard the train. This literally, this is right before COVID that it blew up. I don't know what would have happened to me if I didn't blow up when I did, because it was only like uh, two months into COVID that my landlord called me, made up shit and got me kicked out of my house. Like what he did is he made up that he had a niece because you're allowed to kick someone out of their house if you have a family member moving in. So he made up that he had a niece all of a sudden. I, I know that there isn't mysteriously suddenly a niece that you've never talked about, buddy. I've got Facebook. Uh, and um, yeah, just all of a sudden, I, he loved. He said he loved me for like every year I was there. There was never any complaints or anything. I always got along with him fine. All of a sudden, as soon as the condo prices started raising and he didn't want to raise them on me anymore because he knew I was poor, uh, all of a sudden it's, oh, I got a niece. So, you know, if I could help you find another place real quick and he didn't help me find a new place. So we just got out of there. Scumbag. So uh, um, it, if I didn't blow up when I did, I literally don't know what would have happened. So I always just try and tell everybody like, look, the more the merrier on this, you're not stepping on my toes. If you outperform me on YouTube with your Pokemon challenges, all that means is that you have made more people happy I don't see this as any kind of a negative. I'm not here to get rich. I'm here because I like making people laugh with my dumb jokes. So if you're making people laugh with your jokes, that's awesome. You're making people happy. Why would I complain about that? <laughs> like, of course I'll do a tutorial where I show you all of my secrets. They ain't secrets. I want you to have fun too. That's so, that's, it's, it's amazing how many people won't think like that. Dude, they don't, YouTubers don't tell you anything. They don't tell you how the job works. They don't want to help anybody. I'm still working with YouTubers who got like under a hundred subscribers because they're good and they're fun and they're my friends. And like, just, I don't know. What, what's so hard about presenting this information to people? It's, it's it, it comes more, it says more about you as an empath than it does about other people because the, because the YouTube as a, as a marketplace, very similar as a podcast has become so saturated and then tenfold during COVID because everybody has gone, I'm stuck That's at true. home. Let's make a thing. So there is an element of some who are kind of just clutching to their own because they don't want to mm. let too many people in. But there is a section of like, no, because like if it should always be the case of I just want to be sure that it, it almost I feel like I feel like competition. Your camera's gone off, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll turn. No, it that's off. OK. I don't know whether you knew it happened, but um, it's almost like um, I've, I've always been of the of the belief that, that competition makes you better. Yes. Like that it makes you work harder. Like I, you know, from my my previous role in radio, um, well, I did. I did an afternoon show. That was my full time job, and they yeah, brought in a young I heard about guy. It a bit here and there. Yeah, I've, I've done. I've talked about it on the odd occasion. Um, but I'll save the whole story for, for when I do Desert Island Graps in a billion years' time. Um, oh, I'm but, looking forward to it. <laughs> it'll be on the twenty. It'll be on the thirty second of February that I do it. I'll um, interview for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your your name is now in the hat. I've got a beautiful hat of people who want to hey, host it. it. If you don't change your mind by then, I am actually up for that. That sounds yeah. like a really fun time. Mate, you're in the hat. You're in the hat. You're yes. in the hat. But um, but with the with the radio stuff that I did, um, so they they had as a there was a younger guy who came in and he was a friend of mine and I'd helped him out through the years, and 
and he got there of his own merit and of his own skill and he was doing weekends and whenever I was off he would cover the show so mm-hmm. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go oh, okay I get this I'm getting old now and here's a young guy who you know they, and they always mm-hmm. have to be they always, my, my boss used to always say to me my boss used to always say every time I sign a new contract with them it would be like a 12 month or 18 month contract he would say um, he would say it's my job to find somebody to replace you but it's your job to make sure that I don't need them. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. That's I like that motivation. So whenever like I would be off, the other younger guy would come in and cover. And of course, as exactly if it was me in that position, I'd do the same thing. I'd throw everything into it. I'd go, this is what I can do. I'd be brilliant at it. Yeah. And he would. So then I'd have to come back and go, all right, dickhead, right? This is how we do <laughs> yeah. it. And it went, and then the the long long story short, it ended up going the way that I I I was moved along, moved down the road. I was looked after on the way out, and then he went on and took the oh, job. Come on, I know I was shocked too. No, <laughs> no, that's um, uh, that's Madrat fixing the camera. Oh, um, sorry. No, 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 it's <laughs> fine. You got my name right. Holy shit! No one does that. Oh, really? Do you, do you know where my name comes from? Do you recognize it? I don't. But I, I, obviously, I know that Madra bread is, is based on Madra, but I don't know the origin of... I was, this is one it, of the things Madra I was going to ask bread's you. not based on Madra. It's actually a nonsense uh, series of syllables that we re, 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 rewritten to make it easy to read. Um, so my name is Madrat Stowe. It's not a name anybody has. Madrat no. is a very, very old Welsh name. It You probably know Mordred, which is like the Latin version. You know, mm-hmm. Prince Mordred, that... Um, Madrid is a very, very old Welsh version of that name. I'm, I'm not Welsh. I'm Slovak, but whatever. See, I um, feel bad. I'm half Welsh, so I should have known that. There really. you go. Uh, so we've just watched. We've just watched Wales in the European Championships. I, I, I have a very old man Welsh name, so but I love it. Madrid so, uh, but Madrid bread is. Uh, I had a lot of nicknames because Madrid Stowe. Look, it's hard, and I live in Ontario, so. When teachers would read my name, they would just assume it's French, and I become Madro or Monroe or all kinds of things. You wouldn't believe. Mandroot was my favorite. Mandroot. <laughs> Fucking Mandroot. If you ever man. became a Pokemon, <laughs> Mandroot is your Pokemon. Name. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mandroot, Mandroot, Mandroot. Oh man. Um, that's so, that's that's the name. So I had a lot of nicknames growing up because it's a hard name. Whatever, I don't care. Um, one day when I was like sixteen, my friend Matt. Matt? Mike. My friend Mike um, just as a joke randomly said Madurai, you don't have enough nicknames. I'm going to give you a new nickname. I was like, alright. He was like, Madurai Bread. And I was like, alright. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. Uh, okay, and so we tried to figure out how to write it down and like it was borderline illegible. Uh, so we just started showing it to people and everyone pronounced it different. So we re-shopped, we reworked how to write it until you know, it became Madrai bread. It doesn't mean anything. None of them are actually words. It's nonsense. Um, but it caught on so much that by the end of the year, teachers were calling me either Madrai or MDB. That just became my name since I was 16. So, like, it, it's even weird for come on. <laughs> I don't know why it's doing this. I'm sorry. Um, that's all right. That's all right. So it's Madrai's camera um, going off again. Oh, sorry, that's, sorry. That's right? much, for the listeners. That, that's MDB's camera going yeah. off again. <laughs> so for for like half my life, uh, I've, I've, man, it doesn't, I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> Fair for, like, half, for half my life, uh, I have been uh, MDB or Madrai to all friends, all acquaintances. Like basically everybody but my wife calls me that. And, and like some very close friends in my family will call me Mo. 
uh, because that's my like childhood nickname, just M O. Because mm. look, you need a one-syllable one when your name is Madrod, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but you made them made a good decision to write it phonetically. No one's yes. getting it wrong. That worked out because yeah, mm. a lot of people ask like where I got the username, and it's just it's my nickname. It was never meant to be catchy or anything. So I'm just really happy it turned out to be somewhat memorable for people. I'm just really happy I ended up getting a cool acronym. MDB is fantastic. Yeah, it works. It absolutely it works. Intentional. I didn't pick it. It was forced upon me. <laughs> I accept it. It's wonderful. Thanks, Mike. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's move on to your second match for your DVD, shall yes. we? Okay, so this is this is a personal one for me. Let me tab out and get my notes up here. Okay. Royal Rumble 2018. So this one's kind of personal for me because this one's all about not just the match, but like everything around it. So my best friend is my friend Brandon. Some of you might know him now actually as Gooset. He does a lot of challenges in like Skyrim and Oblivion on YouTube. But he's been my best friend since like I was like 16 or something in high school. I think he was 16, I was 17. Uh, we went to the same high school, best friends. He's great. He's been on my show for since it started like 11 years ago. Um, all the time. And now he's got his own YouTube channel that's doing well on his own thing. And he's like organically growing over there. And I'm so proud of him. Um, he doesn't get to hang out with me much anymore, like in person, because he's in the Canadian Air Force nowadays. So he's usually like off in another province training at some base or something. But when he was, he, when he came back from basic training uh, for his break, um, he was back in town and the Royal Rumble was on. So I was like, He's not a huge wrestling fan or anything, but we watch it together sometimes. It's a fun time. So he came over, just me, my wife, and Brandon all hanging out by the by the monitor, having some some salmon out on the grill and watching the the Royal Rumble. And just, oh, it was such a good time. So I, I have all these notes written down. Um, it was the first time we got to hang out, out in forever. So that was already a fun time. There was this was the rumble that had the fun stuff like Elias guitared his way to the ring and he was getting all mad because like the countdown was starting and was interrupting his concert had like Andrade and uh, and Adam Cole show up and I think they had both been on NXT takeover the night before which I think Brandon saw I don't remember um 
there was Slate, Heath Slater. I'm a huge Heath Slater guy. And uh, he had that fun stuff where he was coming out. He got beat up on the ramp. And as each new person would come out, they'd like kick him back down. <laughs> and then when Seamus came out, it was his birthday and he had a match earlier in the night. He sees Heath just on the ground dead. He hoofs him in the ring, gets in, and it is immediately clotheslined out to a huge <laughs> pop by Heath. And I just, oh, I love that. He's like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Oh, it's, it's so good. And also, so every pay-per-view that me and my wife and Brandon, if he's around, watch for fun, we bet on who we think is going to win each match and we keep tally. We've been doing this for every pay-per-view that we watch across Impact, across Power. Power's our favorite weekly show, has been since episode one. Mm -hmm. Tim Storm won us over fast. (laughs) Um, Right. All the pay-per-views we watch and everything, we always, we make our bets. So for the Rumble, though, you know, that's a lot of people. So we pick two numbers and we pick two names. Back then, I think we picked one name. Uh, so you get some mystery people and that's always fun. Uh, I picked 22, I think. It's either 22 or 23. All I remember is it ended up being Aiden English, who oh. I love. I've been a massive fan of that dude since I remember him in his dorky pink tights losing to debuting Bray Wyatt and FCW. I was the loser watching FCW back then. You found him. <laughs> I remember that. And now, now I've gotten to have a conversation with that man a little bit. And he seems like a delightful man. I haven't fanboyed out on him because I have a rule. I only fanboy out on a wrestler if they can see my face and hear my voice because every time that happens, they know I'm genuine. It's not just, I'm not sucking up to you. I have good memories of you. Thank you for that. Um, And so in English was my guy, he didn't win. And you didn't get to hear his awesome theme beyond the beginning little bit. Man, they didn't play that theme enough, but whatever. It's a guy I liked. For my named guy, I picked Dolph Ziggler who had quit you remember at the time he had quit as the u.s champion i picked him on a lark knowing he's going to be the mystery number 30 and he's going to win it he was the mystery number 30 he lasted under 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 two minutes (laughs) under two minutes come on man it was halfway a good idea having i know right having quit come back and win the rumble is a great idea oh i just oh i i remember uh adam cole came out and he did you know the baby and all that brandon went crazy for that because he loves that uh, Nakamura won, who was actually Brandon's name pick because he's big into Nakamura. So Nakamura actually, that was a, really got a reaction out of him. That was a great final four because yeah. you had Cena, Bala, Roman Reigns, and Nakamura, if I'm right oh, in thinking. And Brandon hated Roman Reigns. Yeah, and it was just, it was the fact that we were all willing, the young lads, to do it. Mm. And when it came down to Roman and Nakamura, like, this is when wrestling's amazing because I, I was even watching that, like, with my belief suspended. And mm-hmm. I I was going, I really want Nakamura to win it. I really, but, but the company always puts Roman over and they think people like him. They blatantly don't. Everyone is booing Roman Reigns out of the building, <laughs> yeah. but the WWE will ignore that. He's our guy. And there's like, the, and because, and that's why it's that fear that they're not listening that is going, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to have Roman eliminate Nakamura. And then when Nakamura won, like, that was amazing. What a moment. Like, to have Nakamura go over Roman Reigns like that. Just, it felt like, and wrestling does this to you. And I had this conversation with the, the lads on the on the Cultaholic podcast the other week. Um, wrestling does that to you. Where it's it's like following a, a sports team, like a, like a hockey team or a football team or a soccer team, in the sense that you, 
when they have a good show where there's a when when the when the events are, are good then you're like you you're unstoppable but they have a bad week you're just you're angry and you're frustrated but you'll still be there next week ready like come on this is the mm-hmm. time this is the time like for me watching nakamura i think i got the same endorphins as like um my dad's football team my dad's soccer team west Bromwich albion getting promoted to the premier league like that kind of i feel like it'd be that sort of energy where like you put so much faith in a company doing something right and and so often they do it wrong and then they do <laughs> yeah. and then they do it right and you're like whoa yes uh, it was so fun and like it it was beyond just a fun moment too because you know when when someone wins the come on camera camera problems camera problems <laughs> yeah. when, uh, when, like when someone run, wins the rumble too it's like you know that this isn't just like uh, a Zack Ryder wins the intercontinental title and is going to lose it back the next night I've liked that match. Why'd they have to do that? Um, mm. This can't just be that. They can't lose their title match at WrestleMania. They can make it the middle of the show if they really feel like it, but yeah. you still get your match. That's what it's about. And so, and Shinsuke still got his match. The match, yeah, it was an interesting time. I wonder, I often wonder how, if that WrestleMania had been better received, had they split it over two nights? Because it was Maybe. a, that was a big meal to eat. That was, that was like five hours <laughs> and there was a lot yeah. going on and it was quite a, quite a dense, dense product. And what I've loved during the last two years is they've put WrestleMania across two nights. And I think it's better. I think it allows stuff to breathe. I think it allows like those, it gives those matches time. It allows more people to kind of go on first and last and main event and find their Mm -hmm. feet. Like Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair headlining night one, I thought was absolutely perfect. The right Mm -hmm. way to do it. Oh my God, was it good? Then kicking it off with Drew and Bobby Lashley was a great call. And then I was shocked that Drew didn't win. I thought that was going to be the the feel-good moment of the night but no i really really thought he was gonna i was ready for it too mm. i've always been a big drew mcintyre fan i <laughs> i i was the guy watching back in the high attitude uh drew mcintyre days mm. i still remember him hitting a drop kick kipping up and going straight to the hard cam screaming why am i not good enough for raw <laughs> then he didn't show up on raw for a while after that i remember that <laughs> my god my god i was the- a, i was a 3mb guy so isn't okay. it nice to see them all doing well? <laughs> yes. I, I, God, I hope something, they do something with gender soon. So I'm like the biggest gender fan in Canada, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm the gender fan in Canada. I was going to say, so, what was the feel towards gender in Canada? Clearly not much if you're, if you're <laughs> already touted okay, as the biggest. Look, look, not a ton. I, and I understand why. I get it. He's not the crispest, smoothest guy in the universe. But again this goes back to the stevie richards thing of like work ethic really matters to me and seeing someone really passionately trying so back in the day i used to be on a wrestling podcast called the hero is wrestling podcast it's with my friend hero is a hero they call me small youtuber wonderful man um that podcast isn't up anymore uh but in it there was a meme that started of mdb was right I would guess the most outlandish wrestling things, and it would end up coming true shockingly soon after. On the last ever episode of that show, I I had a reputation to bring up wrestlers that I really liked on main event because I was the only one watching main event. So I'd always be going on about like, guys, Curtis Axel's getting really good. And they're like, Madras, shut up. (laughs) But I kept saying like Jinder Mahal's getting really good guys. I'm watching on main event, like his body's getting an incredible shape. Like I've been watching him since he came back. Like, Man, he's getting really good. Like, I think that they're going to put a belt on him and, and like, it could really be soon. And they're, they're like, no, shut up. And I was like, 
they could put the world championship on him. And I believe the exact words are uh, from the chat on that one. Might have to bleep it. You are a fucking idiot. Okay, so one week later, Jinder Mahal forearms... Uh, no, it, this was the episode after uh, Jinder Mahal forearmed Finn Balor in the head and he crumpled in the ring and got the rug burn on his forehead. And people were like messaging me. They're like, they're not going to do anything with him. He just messed up Finn Balor. I think it was the next week he gets drafted to SmackDown. The next pay-per-view, he wins the world title. And I never got to brag about it because it happened to, by coincidence, be the last ever episode of the Heroes Wrestling Podcast. But I did, in fact, go to their Discord channel, go in the wrestling chat, and type in, for the first time ever, in all caps lock, you can all suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that was a popular night on the Discord. (laughs) I got a lot of praise. (laughs) And look, I... I, I know, I know Jinder gets some flack and everything, but honestly, seeing how hard he clearly worked to put his put his body together and, and everything, I yeah. know there's the sloppiness. There's everybody saw the the Saudi show, the the whisper in the wind, and it was really funny. And, you know, it must have caused an earthquake or something that just made him fall over. But, like, <laughs> honestly, he gets too much flack. That dude's money. He, look, he was put in a position where he was told, we'd like to try you out in the, with the WWE title and put the title yeah. on you. What are you going to do? <laughs> Say no? Yeah. Like, Say no, I don't know, I should. Like, look, I know you've been main, on main event for the last forever, and we've just brought you back, and you probably feel like you're, you're Kurt Hawkins right now. And you're probably feeling like Kurt Hawkins or Shelton Benjamin not getting used at all right now. Uh, you want to go just win the world title real quick and go to India? That's a lot of pressure, dude. How are you supposed to do that? Like, yeah. could you even imagine? Like, the most prepared of wrestler, you tell them that they're winning the WWE Championship and they got to carry it on an overseas tour and everything. And you're going to be like defending it. It's like Triple H and stuff. Like, uh, the pressure must be unbelievable. Good on him. Yeah. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. And yeah, good choice. Good choice on the rumble, by the way. I think Royal Rumbles are a great. Uh, Royal Rumbles are a great shout on this show because you get to see a lot of stars from a, an era that you yeah. love, and it's and fun. Uh, and in more, it's about like the. It's the, the, I think the Rumble's the, the the best show of the year, personally. I think so, probably. Like, who doesn't get pumped for the Rumble? It's like the yeah. funnest. It is the most because it's the most unpredictable, and it mm. and it's you know it's a big it's a big event, and I love that. I love when that sort of thing happens. I want to take you back, um, mm-hmm. just just it back in again to um, yes. uh, your your amazing decade long run of doing daily videos, mm-hmm. uh, and which recently, very recently, came to an end. Um, did you set out to go? right i'm gonna do a video every day for 10 years or is it a case of you kind of started putting videos out and then you realized a bit like the undertaker streak yeah. you kind of realized yeah. oh there's a, there's a thing going here i should probably yeah. pull this thread which of those was it so it was this, it was the undertaker streak what happened was i was just doing lots of videos because i was uh, on a big failed job search at the time i couldn't find any work uh, at all probably still can't look on the job market here is just terrible um we it it sucks so um i i couldn't find anything so i just said like okay well until i find a job i'm gonna do this full-time and then hopefully one day i'll be able to do youtube full-time because of the money being able to like make it affordable i never found a job literally to this day i have only ever been my own boss i have never found a job through all those years of searching um, was I there a particular job eventually. that you were looking for? Dude, would you like to have had? 
I was applying for anything. Like yeah. I was applying for security guard gigs. I was applying for fast food. I was applying for anything I could find. Just trying to, you know, keep the family afloat and just nothing, nothing at all. No one wanted to hire the disabled guy. Like, come on. I, I, it had to be there in the resume. They're like, at the time, like, I can sit up straight now. Like, you can see I'm, I can sit up straight. Not before. I was like hunched in like a goblin and stuff. My body was in awful shape. I couldn't stand for long I still can't stand for long periods of time, but uh, not standing still, at least. You know, I have Ehlers-Danlos, which is a degenerative joint problem. I have cerebral palsy, so like certain motor skills are a little off. Um, little things like that. Um, I am not, <laughs> I don't cooperate well with authority either. So honestly, if I were given any of the jobs, I would work my ass off, but if the boss didn't like me, I don't think they would keep me just because like, I don't, I ask questions. I, I have to ask like, why are we doing that? Like, uh, what's the thought process? Like, I just want to understand. And a lot of people take that as like, I'm being defiant and I'm not, I'm not trying to defy you. I just want to understand. Um, but I guess I'm weird like that. And people don't yeah. get that. It's just your nature. I think so many of us, um, will just kind of, just just play the game toe the line not ask too much about it but there's something deeply inquisitive about you and and the fact that you do want to know and, and a lot of it comes back to um so and, and i know that you said that um you said that you ha your family has a history of autism as well and i think a big part yes. of stuff like that from my experience with it is that you do kind of you not everything is is perfectly clear and you want to make it perfectly clear so mm -hmm. you do end up asking more questions and it's not out of a, a lack of authority respect it's just more a case of no i want to be able to 100 percent understand what you need from me mm -hmm. so i can do it 100 percent to my ability and you know what in a, i think if more people spoke and thought that way i think we'd have far less of those occasions where people just blow up because so much of so much of, of those issues that we have at work come from sort of you ever seen the movie falling down with I michael douglas where where he just like he just has the worst day ever and he just bottles it up and bottles <laughs> it up and bottles it up and bottles it up and then it comes to a head when he goes to like mcdonald's and it's like 10 32 and he can't get breakfast and he just that's it he's gone he goes on a, yeah. a killing streak but it's just like because we all naturally just will bottle this stuff up and it takes it only takes the slightest of little interaction to loosen the cap and all of a sudden the the drinks exploded whereas like you just kind of want to go like I want to make sure I know everything and I want to know how it's done properly yes, like yes. there's there's a there's a literal essence to it that I think so many people would fail to understand but really it's probably the right way we should do things I agree like I just I the way I look at it is if I'm open and honest with everybody and I'd simply tell you what's going on in my head I'm not afraid of what's going on in my head because I know I don't have any bad intentions or anything like that. And so the way that I look at it is as long as I tell you what's going on in my head, then either then then the possibilities are like you understand where it's coming from and everything. Fantastic, wonderful. I don't like miscommunication. And I know that my words mean different things to each person who hears them. Uh, words that resonate with me don't necessarily resonate with someone else. So I know that if I reword things, uh, over and over. Eventually, I could get anybody to understand what the intention is. I can't control what they think about whatever I've said, obviously, nor would I want to. I don't want control over anyone but myself. But um, I don't know. I, I just think if you're open and honest with everybody, then there's a lot less problems because you can decide if you like me or not, if you really know me. And if I'm always honest with you, then you do know me. And that's kind of how I approach my channel. 
as long as I'm honest with everybody and I am just myself and not playing a character, I wouldn't know how to if I wanted to. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't know. People seem to find it uh, refreshing, I guess, that I just say what I think. By the way, I, I do believe this is the first time I've ever, ever said on air that I probably have autism. Um, the family like has a history of mental health things. Yeah, I know you uh, hadn't but... said it yourself, but I just I wanted to reference the yeah, fact because you well, mentioned only, a family history of it. I only learned that I might have autism like month ago, two months ago. I knew about all the other stuff, obviously. Cerebral palsy. Um, I told you I learned half fantasia when I was like twenty or twenty one. Um, but uh, the autism thing, I literally didn't learn till like a couple months ago. Then when I was. I think it's like my wife's having an offhand conversation with my mom about like all the diagnosis I had growing up of like when they were trying to figure out why am I, how I am. Um, they they throw a bunch of diagnoses at me though. And so they just assumed that autism, like they said, like he could have Asperger's, but he could have like a billion other things. So my mom kind of dismissed it as like, oh, this is like one of the 50 things that a small town doctor said, he might have this. Whereas nowadays, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, no, I might actually have that one now that I think about it. Which is funny because I've been insultingly called uh, autistic so many times for so many years. I'm like, and I, I just look at it as like, ah, oh, it's just another, another form of someone calling me retarded, whatever. And now it's like, oh, I probably actually do have that. And the funny thing to me is when I learned that, oh, I might actually have Asperger's, oh, it didn't hurt at all, dude. I just immediately messaged my friend and I was just like, I think I figured it out, Leela. <laughs> <laughs> and because because me and her have this running joke where like we we think the same way me and my friend Leela just about like everything we just our brains work very similarly I guess um because okay fun story it's not the funnest story she was in a car wreck a couple years ago before oh that, yeah that isn't a fun story <laughs> she was in a horrific car wreck nearly died um gosh she in a way she did uh because she lost almost the entirety of her memory and her personality changed. That happens to people after a traumatic experience sometimes. She lost most of her memory um, and changed her personality almost totally. Like she has an almost new friend group totally because like people didn't, people who liked old Leela don't like new Leela. Uh, but I guess, I, I don't know, it, stuff happens. Anyway, I think new Leela is wonderful and she thinks so too. So that's all that matters. Um, but when she's trying to recall memories from old Leela, it looks in her head kind of how I describe what it looks like in my head. And so I believe I have found the only person in the world who both knows what the inside of my head looks like and knows what you're supposed to see. She's the only person who can describe to me in words that I can understand what I am supposed to see while also knowing what it looks like in my head. That's so valuable to me. That means the world to me that I can talk to somebody with that experience. And this is why I love learning about people is stuff like that. And so we have this running joke because I go to her about like everything because it's like we think the same way. So I always want to hear what she thinks um, on stuff. Uh, I came to her after I learned I might have Asperger's and uh, I, I was, we had this running joke of like, we have the same tism, we call it. <laughs> And I was like, hey, Leela, <laughs> I, I think I figured it out. And I think it's more literal than we thought. <laughs> and we just had a laugh about it. And it, it doesn't hurt at all. Because like, whatever. And I, I used to see it as like, this is, this is why people think I'm kind of a freak. 
But now I just realize, no, this is actually, this is just the cause of what makes me different. And I really like who I am. I'm really proud of myself now because I've, I've done so much and I've turned myself from such a pessimist. I had a reason for being a pessimist. I had a bad life, but. You have every know, reason couple... to be a pessimist, but you're one <laughs> yeah. of the most optimistic people I've ever spoke to. So, Man, I always had attitude problems, though. I was always a pessimist. I was always complaining. I was always uh, having a... I was always throwing a bitch fit and complaining in the comments and being rude to people when I shouldn't be and stuff and just getting overly sensitive because I was so used to getting bullied my whole life and I didn't... I didn't chill out and realize that, like, look, not everybody is like that. You know, I don't, I don't need to... Just because I can rely on myself and I know that I'm not going to let myself down doesn't mean that I need to assume other people are going to let me down. And when I started just assuming the good in people and looking for the good in people, I started making a lot more friends and being a lot happier. And I don't know, I got like so many friends now where it's like, I'm that guy where I'm friends with everybody. And like most of these people would never be friends with each other because they'd never give each other a chance. But I'm the guy where I'm like, Oh no, that that guy you're complaining about on Twitter. No, I've talked to them in private. They're a really delightful person. And it's like, no, no, it's not. It's not as bad as it looks. They're having a bad day, you know. Yeah, that's that's. It's such a a, a wonderful way to look on things, considering all that all you. that's gone on. It's 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 nice. It's nice to hear. But it's funny you mentioned just to go back to the um the the Asperger's thing and how you said that it was a bit of a. You were like, ah, oh, that explains it about it because uh-huh. we had. I like it, whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's wonderful because it echoes um, what Brian Zane said. So we had Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret on here. Oh, he's uh, a, a few months ago. Guy. He's amazing. He's amazing, and and he mentioned it to me, and and I and I had no idea because it wasn't something he openly Does talked he? about. Yeah, he, I didn't so he, know it either. He talked about his his diagnosis of Asperger's, and it was the same, almost the same as what you said, where. He was troubled with so many things and the way he thinks for so long. And then when they said, oh, you have Asperger's, it w- everything became clearer. Like the penny mm. dropped. He went, ah, that's why this doesn't click. And, and, and from then on, like, he, he was in a much better place because now he knew yeah. why he was the way he was. So there's a comfort that comes from going, you have that. Aha. In the same way that, like, you know, if, if you wake up one morning and, you, and you're hobbling on your foot and the doctor goes, you've you got a broken ankle. Ah, now I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to get do what I need to do. And we're going to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to be fine. Um, that's a very, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's a, a, a far away example, but you get the drift, right? Yes. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. So to go back, um, we're doing a video a day, and this is something that you started because... Um, you were Sorry, job hunting. No, do you know what? I, <laughs> so, what? yes, I, daily videos. Scenic route. Scenic route is what we're calling this. This is the scenic route. So at a certain, so I was just doing tons of videos, having fun, you know, let's plays. Um, eventually, I realized, I think one of my friends just brought up to me like that, like, we were in a group chat, just me and a bunch of my other friends who are like, all of us were like really small let's players and stuff. And someone just said in passing, like, they were talking about like, who uploaded the most videos or whatever. And sounds like, man, MDB has been uploading like tons. I was like, I have been uploading tons. They're like, you do every day, right? And I was like, man, I have been doing every day for a little while, haven't I? Sometimes multiple times a day. It's why I always called a video a day minimum for 10 years, because if it was a video a day for 10 years, the video number would be 3,700 and something or other. Uh, the number ended up being 6,000, and that's with videos that got deleted. I'm not counting deleted videos. I'm not counting unlisted, and there's like a few hundred of those. So realistically, it's like 6,000 videos when I hit 10 years. But like, I think it was a year in that I realized I've been doing daily videos. So 
I decided I want to know what day I started. So I, I tried to go back and find it. And I, I think I found it. It's May something. Uh, March? I, I wrote it down somewhere. Doesn't matter. Um, but so I just started counting from there, basically. Now, I don't get the world record. Uh, my network actually tried to get me the world record with Guinness. I told them don't bother because Guinness Book of World Records isn't legit anyway. It's just whoever. It's not who has the best record. They don't investigate who has the best record. It's who paid them to have someone check who happens to have the highest record on hand. So someone could have a thousand times better record. They just haven't paid to have it checked. But I couldn't get the world record technically on a technicality of there's a couple days here and there like um, eight years ago that I missed because a computer exploded. And so I just uploaded like triple the videos the next week. So on the semantic, did I literally upload every day? No, so I don't get a world record. But I like doubled the video count of the dude with the world record. Not yeah. bragging, mind you, because he did <laughs> vlogs. It's all different videos and everything, whatever. I'm sure that dude's a badass too. And it's like a family vlogger. So good on them. I hope it afforded them an awesome life. But um I'm just really proud of myself because at a certain point, like eight years in, I was like, okay, I didn't have any goal for like what I'm going to hit with this, but I think I've decided it's going to be 10 years. And so when the Pokemon challenges really blew up, uh, all I did was I just started doing that extra on top of the daily Let's Play videos. I don't think people really realized how hard I worked on these things until I explained it in a few streams, but you know, very few people watched those and a few vlogs here and there. I have a lot of personal vlogs on my channel. Um, just talking about my life and stuff. I'm an open guy. Uh, but uh, it, I was working 70 plus hour weeks. So most work weeks were 70 hours to 85 hours. Um, I would sleep like six-ish hours. And again, I just wouldn't leave the house for like weeks and weeks and weeks, just working nonstop because I would be grinding in Pokemon with like no emulator speed up or anything, trying to beat every single week, I would beat a Pokemon game with one Pokemon. Uh, just like, you know, can I beat Pokemon Red with one uh, Rattata? I always get yelled at for how I say that, sorry. Uh, beating Pokemon Red with one Jigglypuff, beating Pokemon Black with only first form bug Pokemon, something like that. I do that every week. Um, I was doing that with no emulator speed up and whatever. Which I, should, I totally should change that rule at some point. I mean, oh nobody would begrudge you shaving no, no, a few minutes off your day, no, mate, if in, you're doing 70-plus no, hour weeks. In the early days, people would complain about that. People got really up in arms when other people would do emulator speed up, and I would oh, be... Oh, really? I know. I oh, was the one who... fuck off to them. Yes, Jesus. I was the one who was always... I was the one who would go in other people's comment sections when they call them, like, a rip-off of me, or they say, like, why are you using speed up? And I would reply and be like dude, you don't know how much work this is. And they'd always back off after I reply because I'm the big famous Pokemon challenge, man. Uh, but, imagine, but... imagine having that little to worry about that you have to I kick know. off about that. <laughs> I would I would kill to have that much time to, to worry about something so minute. Oh, people are annoying. <laughs> I know. There, there were days where I'd read a comment that's like, oh, you didn't even, like, grind up the... You didn't even, like, try double team over and over to try and beat the post-game fight in red. You only got to level 100, and it's like, you don't understand. Like, like you guys, when you see me do this double team strategy, like, you see the successful attempt, and I just say, like, oh, man, it's like 15, 20 attempts in. You don't see the hour that took. You don't see the hours of grinding. You don't 
don't see the run after run after run of, do I even get six double teams this time? No, I got paralyzed. Okay, I got my six double teams. Oh, I got hit by two earthquakes in a row anyway. Who cares? Like, you don't you don't see the hours and hours and hours and hours of of just failing fights. Look, that's just how Pokemon is, man. Like I, I started making so every fourth week I do like a, an obliv like Oblivion or Skyrim or Follow Three or New Vegas for some variety because I love those games and I can beat those games in an afternoon. Like it, those ones I can take more time on the editing and less time on the game playing because I can beat them faster. And there's more variety to do in them and stuff. But like, again, it's, it's very long work hours, but I still kept doing the let's play because it was a thing of doing it. I love it. I still consider myself a let's player more than anything else. And I don't want to stop doing the thing that everybody, not everybody came to me for. A lot of people came to me through other things, but that the hardcores that really, really supported me that were there on my Patreon. Like there was a time when I would get more money on Patreon than I'd get views on my average video. And it was like $300, $400 American or something, which is a lot for Canada. Mm. Um, like, you know, like that's that's just living paycheck to paycheck. That's how I do it and or how I did it. And uh, I didn't want to stop doing that thing that they all watched me for just because something new got popular. And I didn't want to stop doing it because, dude, I love improv stuff. I, I love just riffing on a game and like sharing a game I like with people. And how many people have messaged me to tell me that like, I made them laugh when they were really upset or that like they can just watch my they can binge my let's plays as escapism or that they bought a game because they saw it on my show and they didn't think they'd like it and they ended up like being super into it dude the best story is when people get into a game and then they message me to say like i got my wife into video games or something through this game i found on your channel it's like that's awesome Aww. that's so wholesome i love that why don't people share that more? People desperately need to say more good things. I mean, because they, what was there was a, a stat that I heard uh, on a on a podcast, and it was along the lines. I can't remember who said it now. No, I, I'm I'm afraid, but they said like, if you have a good experience, you tell three people. If you have a bad experience, you tell thirty. Yeah, and, and and it really shouldn't be that way around. Like I try and go out of my way to make sure that when I talk, like I I want to celebrate people, and I'll message people and say I enjoyed what you did, and like I. I I take pride in doing that and I try and do that as much as I can because mm -hmm. it's important to do. And yeah, I think I've got to ask this because as somebody who did videos every day for 10 years and, and, and you can tell by the way you talk about it, how much you love it and how much it's a passion thing for you. But surely burnout must have come <laughs> in there. And I've got um, to know how you personally would cope with, with burnout and with that pressure as well to do a video a day for 10 years. Like how do you, mm. how do you buy yourself time to recoup and, and find the love again? It's hard. Um, I, for a long time, I, I just said, I just don't get burnt out because that's just how I'm I'm wired like that. I will say in the last year, I was feeling a bit burnt out because it, it simply was like a lot, a lot of work for a very long time. Um, I'm trying to relax more. So you'll notice right now, I have more of a tan than if you've watched any of my vlogs ever. Um, that's because for the last two weeks, uh, I've been getting like an hour and a half out in the sun in the backyard every single day. I, I go out, I just go out there. I have a, a cup of coffee. I have my herbal remedy because it's legal in Canada. And I just set a timer on my watch for like an hour and a half. 
put in my earbuds, listen to the Deadlock podcast because I just can't stop listening to wrestling and NL are great and all of those guys are wonderful. I just relax in the sun and decompress. I'm trying to learn how to relax because I haven't, I haven't taken a day off in my adult life. I can confidently say that. I haven't had a day where I didn't at least check work or do some work in my adult life until I hit the 10 year mark. And I'm still working like full-time. People keep saying like, enjoy your break. I'm not on break. I'm still working 40 hour weeks now, but I'm working 40 hours. And my God, after 70 plus, that feels like a break. Yeah. Like, almost I'm, feels like it almost feels like you're slacking. Yeah, it, it's strange. <laughs> it's, it's taken a while because I still don't know how to relax fully yet. Um, when I when I have nothing to do sometimes, I I end up just checking. I, I, I check the same few things over and over or I'll keep I'm going to like my Trello page where I organize all my video ideas or or I'll play I'll start idly playing a game because that's what I'll do when I would finally get a little bit of time to play a game. And I realize like I'm not having fun right now. I'm just playing a game because it's the only thing I could do at this desk that's entertainment alongside like watching videos on the side and stuff like I'm just going through the motions on it and like I'm just not realizing in the moment that I'm just doing it because I'm so used to doing that because it's the only thing I could do. Now that I have some time, I walk around a lot more. I put in my earbuds. I vacuum the house. I get more steps. I, I spent the last two years hardcore doing a lot of yoga, trying to fix my body a lot, trying to you know, fix my posture. I stand up straight now and I feel I used to live in horrible chronic pain. Like the majority of my life I've lived in chronic pain because of ALR Stanlos. Like it, it got to a point where for, for once the money started rolling in really well from the, um, from the Pokemon challenges, a decent little chunk of that money went towards government legal in Canada, herbal remedies that I will not say the name of in case YouTube or whatever gets upset uh, because it made the pain go away so that I could actually stretch my body and like do yoga and fix my body and it fixed my body. And so I'm living the healthiest I ever have now. I work out like every week and everything. I'm getting a little lazy on it right now, but I work out, strength workouts, a bunch, cardio. I'm the best shape of my life. I feel so much better. I'm learning how to relax because I, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but I didn't realize at the time that if you work nonstop for 10 years, you literally don't know how to relax. Anymore. No, it's, it's not, it's not in, in your system at all to know yeah, how to relax. I don't understand how to not work. Like I spend all my time in this room. I start to learn how to relax when I got a TV. We just bought my first ever TV downstairs. <laughs> we just got it. Like I had money for like over, I've had money for two years now. I could have gotten TV, but you know, it's poor person brain. You just, you, every once in a while, you know, you've been using the same razor blade for five years. And then all of a sudden you're like, you remember, oh, razors are like a few cents. I don't, I'm not poor anymore. I can buy a razor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can, why am I still doing it this way? Like, uh, so. Just how you're hardwired, isn't it? Just to, yeah, you're always, you're always thinking, I need to make sure I make this money last because you never know when it's yeah. going to stop. And there's, and th which is always the, the curse of being um, self employed and being a yeah. freelancer is that it's, um, I, you know, I do a bit of freelance stuff and it's very feast or famine, isn't it? It's, it is. Yeah. You're either, like, you're either doing loads or nothing. I, it's why I banked almost everything I got uh, because I didn't know how to invest. I didn't get a bank account until after. I just had my PayPal hooked up to my wife's bank account. I got a credit card for the first time a few months ago. Still haven't used it. Um, just 
look, like this stuff is over my head. I never had money. I, I never had more than a couple hundred dollars, so I didn't. My advice would be, no. <laughs> um, if you've just got a credit card, my advice would be maybe do grocery shopping on it and then pay it off immediately. Because yeah, weirdly, yeah, you build credit. credit score is, uh, it's uh, my, my good yeah. lady found this out where it was just like, we, we were looking to buy a house and they, she's got no credit history. It's because, she's been, yeah. because, she, because she's been brilliant and not taking out loans and overdrafts and credit yeah, cards. Just like you get responsible. Because like what she's I been do. responsible, you get penalized for it. And it's like, I know, that's how I feel. Fair. Like I, I don't understand. I've never had more than like... I've never had more than like a thousand. Well, I think at the worst was like four thousand dollars worth of debt or something. But like we were always very careful. We always made sure that we were paying it off uh, at a reasonable time. We never had any excuses for them. We never had to have a conversation with like a bank about paying off our debts. They knew that we would always pay on time. It's fine. It will be okay. We never had a complaint or anything because I really take that kind of stuff seriously. Like. I don't know if I'm not paying that money. Somebody's got to get that money. That money's supposed to go somewhere. So I, I don't want to be putting somebody else out of money because I can't get my own shit in order. So I got to figure that out, you know, and I did. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've discovered the art of relaxing. I think because it, yes. it's a it's actually and, and and I've had to learn this as well because the it is something that you you do every day because your work is at home. Like last year when mm -hmm. the world caught fire, like I moved my my office desk into the room you see now, which is my mm -hmm. spare room, and so I've been working at home for over a year, and I've learned that I am awful at work life balance. It's a Saturday and we're chatting, so that shows yeah. you. How oh, how, how much it goes it's it's difficult it is difficult mm -hmm. and it's and it's and when i know the fact that when we go back to the office it'll be a case of i ha i can fix it now because literally everything i need for work is at work and i am mm -hmm. currently not at work so <laughs> that's gonna help me immensely to have that separation from everything but then with yourself yeah. like it's always there so you yeah. have to look at it in a different way do you have like a like a structure now of when you work and when you don't work yeah, I had to develop good habits about working from home over a lot of years because, as you said, it doesn't come naturally. Like, it's so easy to get distracted by things or to a billion things can happen at home. Like, look, you, when you get no work-life balance, you're always half working. So you're like half productive and you never feel like you can relax. I ended up getting all kinds of good habits over the years um, to try and fix it. One thing is I will often, if I'm in like hardcore work mode, I set 25 minute timers on my computer. Every 25 minutes when it goes off, I stand up and do like a 30 to 45 second back stretch to undo some of the damage of sitting down all day. I walk around a little, stretch out. I make sure I'm always really well hydrated and stuff. Um, I now have a schedule. Do you know the YouTube channel CGP Grey? I'm not familiar, no. It's but you're about channels... to make me familiar. Okay, it's one of those YouTube channels where you may have seen a viral three-minute video from it over the years because everything he does goes viral. But he usually just gives you a lot of information about a very interesting thing that you didn't know you were interested in in a short period of time with some beautiful animations. One of his videos is about him working at home and explaining the workday weekends, Wednesday weekend method of having a day off on Wednesday and a day off on Sunday and why that is the best for you in terms of pacing at your work week. And the idea is like, instead of losing productivity over the week and being like dead on Thursday and Friday and half-assing it, you got two days, which feels light and breezy. Then you got Wednesday off. Then you got three days. And then Sunday is coming. It never feels like it's that far off. Dude, taking Wednesday and Sunday off has felt amazing. 
Wow. Um, other things, I made it so at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, we always put our work away. No matter how late work's going, I just put it away at 8. Go hang out with my wife. By 10, we're in bed reading wrestling books. We just opened up uh, Jim Ross Under the Black Hat last night. We just finished uh, Mick Foley's first book. Man, have you read the WWE republication of Mick Foley's first book in paperback? Because they butchered it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> really? Okay. WWE or WWF has been control f to World Wrestling Entertainment. So he will just start cracking out like there'll be like a quote of someone from like 1998 and they instead of saying like I'm going for the WWF championship I'm going for the World Wrestling Entertainment Championship. There's an oh. appointment. They also controlled f wrestling and replaced it with capital E Entertainment, which oh. is not grammatically correct in half what? of the instances of the book. Like, it's hysterical. Half the time I'll be reading a sentence out loud. I say entertainment, we just laugh, and I have to specify, hold on, I'm going to reread that with the word wrestling, and all of a sudden the sentence grammatically makes sense. Jesus. <laughs> it's so funny. So I was having an entertainment match with The Rock. Yeah, like that level oh of stuff slips in there God. sometimes. Like. The word wrestling was in there like twice, I think. I think the word wrestle was in there a couple times, which makes me think they just control F and find and replace mm. wrestling, but not wrestle. Jesus. Like there's there's some abominable stuff in there. It's, it's I know a good the, book. I know the company hates wrestling, but like that's, <laughs> that's an ridiculous. an entertainment match. Jesus. I remember... Um, it was the WrestleMania headline by The Rock versus John Cena. And mm -hmm. going into that, there was just oh, massive one, speculation. One time only. Yeah, for the first time, after a couple more. Um, it was going into that, they were they were they were dropping the word wrestling altogether and replacing it with entertainer and sports mm. entertainer. And to the point where there was rumor going around that WrestleMania was just gonna simply be renamed WWE Mania. Um, and there was a bit where Michael Cole was on commentary after he'd had his first wrestling entertainment match. And uh, he was on commentary and he said to, I think, I can't remember, it was this, I think it might have been Jim Ross. He said, Hey, Jim, I'm an entertainer now. Like, no, you're they're a wrestler. That's a, <laughs> that's a control F job, that is. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, I think he always, always has been, hasn't he? Yeah. An entertainer? Yeah, he's on the show. <laughs> But then, the but then CM Punk came in and started sort of using wrestling as a dirty word, and it suddenly was like, "Yes, that's that's true." And then they've kind of they've gone back on that a little bit now. They're not as mm -hmm. heavy-handed as they were then. But I'm wondering whether the Mick Foley book was written around that time period, whether it's released mm. around that time period when they were really hot on banishing the word wrestling from a wrestling company. I don't know. So it's the paperback re-release that has the bonus chapter where he talks all about his retirement in the year 2000 that made us laugh uh, <laughs> um so he's talking all about how he's leading up to his retirement and he's going to retire unless something with i think he said like unless like a big money offer comes or something and it, we're just reading that and literally the next morning when we tuned into impact on our tv to watch during breakfast <laughs> as we were scrolling down through the app to the most recent episode the next suggested thing was 2010 pay-per-view match Abyss versus Mick Foley. Oh. oh, yeah, you retired, Mick. You retired. It was a wrestling retirement, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, an entertainment retirement. That was an entertainment retirement. Entertainment. Please get it right. Let's finish off our entertainment talk with your third and final wrestling match, sir. What okay. would you like to have, Madron? Okay. Um, my, my third one. 
Uh, and this is this is more for like an individual moment, I guess. But my third one is um, the Dolph Ziggler cash in on Alberto Del Rio uh, because it is. I've always been a really big Ziggler guy, and when people got sick of him, I just got really sad because I still am not sick of him. And I get it. I, I I know. I know. I know. I've been here the whole time. I know, but. Damn, he's good. He's <laughs> um, so good. And he has shot for the sun so many times. And yeah. whatever, I don't know whether it, whether he does or they get cold feet. It's just to the point now where like he's he's nestled comfortably in the mid card. But you think, gosh, there mm-hmm. could have been so much more, so much more. But but this, so this particular moment. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's it kind of counts as a match because it technically would have been a match because yeah, the I, match uh, began with the cash in of the do, briefcase. Yeah. Do we do we include the Hager match before it? I don't even remember that match, to be honest. I don't remember it. I remember Alberto. I remember Alberto winning. And the crowd booing, despite the fact that he's a good guy. So yeah. they were already done with Del Rio. Yeah, dude, I I love Del Rio in the ring, but man, I was done with Del Rio. And I think I am right now. <laughs> I think we're very done with him. But then, I, as oof. he was, I seem to remember him recovering in the corner. Commentator song, what a valiant champion he is. Mm. Booze, 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 booze. Then I'm here to show the world the place goes wild mm. and there he is there's your boy god and just like the visuals of everything of like him his celebration like every muscle flexed like just screaming as he's on his knees looking up, like yes i got it they're all hugging and stuff and it's like i love this i love this i love this because they played it like they're all friends and i'm sure they probably are or whatever but they they just it's a wholesome moment and it doesn't care that they're technically the bad guys who wouldn't celebrate like this. You won the world title. Like, and just, I, I really wanted my third one to be like a really big moment that I rewatch a lot. Cause I, I've rewatched that probably more than any moment. The other one I was considering is either the rumble where Bubba Ray Dudley showed up. Cause that was nuclear and amazing. Or when the Dudley boys first came back and the new day were in the ring and everything and the nuclear pop for that. But like, it wasn't really like a match for that one. Mm. And the rumble where like Bubba came out, I don't really remember the rest of that. I would need a refresher on it. Whereas the other one, I have all these other great memories with. So I just, I just decided to go with the Ziggler catching. Cause you know what? I watch it like every two months anyway. I can't go without that. <laughs> Can you remember watching it for the first time, though? Hmm. I don't remember what it was like watching it for the first time, to be honest. I just yeah. I just remember the emotion of it, I think. And I want to go back and relive it, relive it every time. And every time I go back, every time I go back to that, like, it, it's still really special to me. And that's one of those things where I can show that to friends who don't know wrestling. And they don't know the rules of what's going on. But they can look at that and they can see the passion in the wrestlers and in the crowd. And they like that. A big thing for me is I really, really love getting people into wrestling. I talk about all the time in my show that like I, I get so many people into wrestling because I'm so passionate about it. It's, it's art. You know, it's it, this is not a flavor of ice cream. This is not a type of TV show, a category of TV show like like uh, football or or baseball or like they often compare it to sports. 
no, within wrestling is an art because there's so many genres within wrestling. There's there's ones that are openly fake and there's ones that are not. There's Chikara where it's it's good guys and bad guys, superheroes. And then some of those wrestlers work CZW. I'm sorry, CZW, Canadian. Um, <laughs> That's right. I, 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 I know. As, a, as somebody from the UK, I appreciate the, the use of the words mum and Zed in yes, this interview. <laughs> yes, I, I do use those. Well, Ontario has a very, very large um, British expat population, always has. So even growing up, I grew up in a town called Dunville, very small, but old Ontarians use a lot of old British-ish words that are kind of mostly worked out, but I still kind of use some, like couch is Chesterfield in Ontario, because in Ontario, you name all, you call a lot of things by their brand name, not what they are. We don't say tissue, we say Kleenex, even if it's not Kleenex brand. Um, like vacuum over here, like vacuum cleaner and Hoover. Uh, the, the Hoover is the brand, but everyone goes, "Oh, use the Hoover." Tannoy is actually a brand. And actually, what you want to say is public address system. I, I do believe that Australia does the same thing as well, don't they? Where they often call things by brand name. Maybe Quite it's often. just a general Commonwealth thing. It could um, very well be because Ontario is still very like England, I guess you would say. You know, like growing up, my mom was always really, really into England. My grandmom was uh, really proud of her English heritage and stuff. That's still kind of a thing here. Mm. My, um, I, I've got a, you mentioned about the expat population. Uh, I was just checking the station that he's on. So a friend of mine uh, from when, back when I lost my job on the radio, it was part of a, uh, a big company shakeup. Mm -hmm. And uh, so loads of us went up the road that week that sucks. it's you know what they paid me for a year i can't be sad <laughs> they, and they let me pursue other endeavors right. that's all good so <laughs> i i i was very and the only thing all i had to do was say i promise that i'll never slag you off until my contract is up so okay. I, so i didn't <laughs> and then no, i didn't i never have access they were amazing to me but one of the lads who, who used to do the uh the drive show in scotland uh ended up emigrating to toronto Okay. Uh, where he now works on Boom ninety seven point three in Toronto, and uh, he's having the best. He's having the best time out there. I think he does the That's afternoons awesome. there, and uh, he always, he always, yeah, I always keep threatening to go and see him because uh, it's a, it's it's one of the, where you live right now is one of the places I'd yeah. desperately love to come and visit at some oh, point. Oh because... well, if you're ever in the Greater Toronto area, you can pop on over to our place in oh. in Oakville. I absolutely, you're one hundred percent invited. Oh this mate, is... I'd be banging on the door anyway. Even yeah, if it was. Dude, all, all, my, all my friends are invited. My wife already likes you. She she called you both Tom Cambliero and Tom Ooh, Camblino. I think you've been Ooh. calling both of those this week. She has a hard time remembering your last name, but she I quite like you. Tom Cambliero. Bless you. Please yeah, pass because, on because you're the your you're the happy, friendly guy from the end of the the Botchamania reading segments, and she <laughs> we love our Botchamania. So. <laughs> oh, hey, Matthew is a uh, a national treasure, oh, isn't he? Oh God, I. You know, we were talking about the whole Asperger's thing earlier, and I just remembered I watched a podcast episode with him where he said on air, like he, he's got, he possibly has something like that. I think it was like on the air that they were saying like, you didn't know or something. It's like, yeah, you might just not know. Yeah. And that's normal. And I just saw him smile at it. I was like, dude, that's, that's awesome. And looking back on it now, knowing that I probably have, it's like, yeah, that's that smile he gave when he, when during that conversation, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, yeah, I'm just, that's how I am. 
Yeah, he's, he's who he is. And uh, you know what? Would never change him for the world. Would yeah. not change him for the world. Oh, he is National what, treasure, what, that guy. He, he is one of, I'm, I'm so proud to call him one of my best friends. Like, oh, he's just, he's I, just ace. He's I'm just happy ace. to hear that. Considering that we fell out when we first met. Like, we, did you? Uh, oh, 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 yeah. We, 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 when we did his Desert Island Graps, we, we met it. I said, oh, I'm just going to meet this, like, head on. I need to bring it up. Oh, because, no, no, no. I saw that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 100% true and it was a, such a low point in my you know it goes against my brand of being like upbeat and happy and it was just I was so bad and and, and we did what we did and uh, it all worked out fine but I thought when we do his podcast I'm gonna have to talk about it and even no. he went you don't have to I said no I feel like I feel like we do I feel like it's I get people to to talk and empty their souls I kind of mm-hmm. need to show yeah. you the same respect and do it as well I'm, I'm the same way people open up to me yeah, it's 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 a skill. It's it's an absolute skill. <laughs> to go back to Ziggler and Alberto. Yes. So that was kind of like the the crowd the the crowd turned on Alberto that night. Made mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler the guy. It didn't last long, but yeah. for for what it was, there was the one thing I liked about Dolph Ziggler's title run. And there wasn't much. He didn't do enough to really give you anything tangible. But the fact that he wore the championship belt backwards. Yes. I liked that. Spun, as a... spun it around when he turned. I love yeah. stuff like that. That's awesome. Like, I love, I love the little sick things. It's like, um, it's the little details like that of, again, motions that stick with me. Mm. Of like, I love how somebody moves. Nick Aldis is one of the best champions I've ever seen in my damn life. Every little motion to every little bit of his theme, he knows when he's getting his championship introduction, he's got little ways of moving his head, his arms, just that little thoughtless flick of his hand behind his back to take off the belt and hold it up he certain people know how to move like a star you know and damn he knows how to do that that's awesome every motion considered just oh and uh, mansoor mansoor the way he Mm. always knows where the camera is he always will hit that look right to the camera face up hair whipped back he knows exactly the emotion he knows when to look in the camera. He knows when to face the camera with his face off to the side, but look at his opponent, like, you know, not making it look like he's looking for the camera, essentially. like just He's, he's, a, he's a great product of that performance center yeah, and how they teach yeah. you not just to entertainment, but also to entertainment in a WWE way, i.e. like playing yeah. to the hard camera, make sure that when you do a move, it's this way and you leave the ring this. Like there's so much more to consider than there ever was. Um, yeah. and, and he's a great example of, of, of how they get people ready for that from, from the ground up. They really are. And uh, yeah, but Ziggler, another one. And I get the, I get the joy when you talk about how you, how you see motions and stuff. Ziggler's mm-hmm. one of those guys that has a lot of very unique mannerisms and very mm, yeah. bespoke characteristics that will make him memorable. When he was, uh, the moment of realization you can see in the cash I'm talking about, when he was in the cross arm breaker from Alberto Del Rio, he's struggling, he's looking around, he can't, you can literally see the thought process on his face because he decided to act it out. And that's, damn, that's good. You can see him, he was looking around, he looks in each direction, where, how close am I to the rope in each direction? You see him reeling in pain, you see him look at the foot and make the realization, like, which one's the bad one? That's the bad one? Start just cranking on it, like, and... I'm sure everyone's had their ankle twisted in that direction. Your knee doesn't move in that direction. If you bend <laughs> your ankle that way, you'll feel this tension in the front of your knee. 
Now, I've gotten that injured before. If you get that, just this little thing that, like, just twists your, your foot back and forth, it's just a little bit of cartilage. And if that starts to get even a little bit sore, dude, you can... Oh, it's agonizing. Every little motion you is agonizing. And so just starts wrenching on that hard. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd let go. <laughs> Amazing. That's amazing. And you know what? And this has been a, a really amazing chat. Honest to God, this has oh, been uh, an this episode. That's how, how I thought it'd go. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, it's a dream country. I was not nervous at all. I knew this is what would happen. We'd be, we knew we'd be fine. Yes. We knew we'd be fine. Uh, plug away, sir. Tell everybody where they can find you online to tell us when you're doing oh. what. This is all yours, so the floor's all yours. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm famous Nancy Drew Let's Player Madrid. <laughs> Um, you may know me from my world-famous Let's Play of Nancy Drew, Shadow at Water's Edge, in which uh, three grown adults play a game made for preteen girls and get lost in a Japanese subway system. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done. It's highly, Let's Play. highly search, spoken about. Yeah, if you search Madrybread, you're not going to find anyone else. Come on, you, you don't even need to spell it right. You'll find me. You can, you can type Madry Beard and you'll still find me because everybody else does anyway. No one can read it right. Um, I still do challenge videos all the time. I stream on Twitch all the time. If you search Madrybread, you'll get everything. I got like a backlog of a billion things. I... I even do some wrestling stuff occasionally. Like, I'll play some wrestling games and we'll just have a fun time and chat about what wrestlers we like and stuff. You know? I watched you playing uh, the revenge mode with Christopher Nowinski the other day. Oh, dude, I that mode is... Oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to play it again because it gets so bad after that. Like, <laughs> the game is so Oh, unfair, and, it's, but... and it started well. <laughs> it started it, well. Uh, kind of. Uh, like, <laughs> I just love that give them a night they'll never forget make these five men bleed <laughs> what and it's Christopher whole... Nowinski in his gear running around a mall hammering Christian like drowning him in a pool like what is this game I'm throwing construction workers into endless pits and, oh, eliminated like I'm having sensory overload from this murder in this wrestling game it's baffling I love it <laughs> What is this? It's like the weirdest wrestling game I could have picked, and that's why I picked it. <laughs> because yeah, I, I hadn't played a wrestling game on the show in like two years, and everybody knows I'm a fan, because in, in my Pokemon challenges, I've named almost every Pokemon after a wrestler. I just don't say what wrestler usually. I let people guess in the comments. Like, I did a Venonat, and that becomes a Venomoth, so I called him Marty. So at the beginning of the episode, I was like, I called him Marty. I don't expect anyone to get this. Uh, the reference is a bit underground. Ah, oh. Lucha Underground. A bunch of people got it, felt you so good about it. Marty Moss followed me on Twitter, I think. I don't remember. I don't know. Good times. He's you great, isn't beauty. he? I'm so happy he's on Dark. Oh, it's lovely. To, it's just good to see people oh, like Zicky that Dice doing well. There. Zicky turning up was a joy. A oh. deep joy. I remember just... the first time I ever saw Zicky, I had to tweet him and tell him, your jacket is fantastic. Do you know where I could get one? And he, and he, because I'm a, I'm a jack. I love my leather jackets. And uh, I, he, te he tweeted me back saying like something like, "Oh, don't worry, brother. I'll, I have a big announcement on that soon." And then I never saw an announcement ever. Sorry, Zicky. Oh, got it. It's okay. I think he's doing well for himself. I think he's going to be just fine. <laughs> 
So many people know what a big wrestling fan you are because when I put the call out on Twitter uh, a short while ago asking if any non-wrestling guys online that you love would be up for a chat or who you'd recommend, your name just flooded my timeline. And and I and I have to I have to confess I have to confess I was I was aware of you but I hadn't watched oh. enough of your stuff. I didn't I know you knew watched, I existed. I knew you. I knew I knew of you, but I I could I couldn't have I couldn't have picked you up from a crowd, nor could I have told you what you watched. So mm-hmm. when your name kept coming up, I was like, this is the thing that we have to make happen. And um, what it's both a great regret that I didn't get in touch sooner, but it's a genuine deep joy that we've spent the last two hours chatting. Oh, I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on this. As I said earlier, I think this is this has been one of, if not the the best Desert Island Graps you've ever done. I've been honoured to be in your that company. Means a lot to me. I've been honoured to be in your company. You're somebody that, that, as you've said before, you... you, you you had nothing handed to you and you went and you grafted and you grinded and you made it yours and and to have had all the things you've had thrown at you and still have an outlook that makes me look like the Grinch uh, <laughs> is is uh, nothing but commendable and thank you honestly it has been an honor and a privilege and let's I hope we get to find an excuse to do this again very very soon Oh, absolutely. We'll find something. I'll we'll find get something, you on, won't we? I'll get you on something. You'll get me on something. We'll hang out and eat popcorn together at my place sometime and watch some TV and play Mario Party and yell at each other. What a time to be alive. Yes. Sorry <laughs> about my camera, by the way, to anybody oh, who may see anything on any platform that you do the video thing on who knows who knows what's going on with this. is sam editing this sorry sam. no 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 it's me so because it's because it's, okay. it's the audio i'll, I'll put a little video clip out that'll be me but okay. the audio the audio will be all me so okay. don't you worry about it it's absolutely fine all right well well t- tell sam i said sorry anyway about something <laughs> it's okay don't give him context just say mdb says sorry and refuse to give him context i 100 percent will do that thank uh, you thank you it will amuse me 